Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of On the Horizon. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got Eric Colette with me. Eric, any snow on the ground yet? No, there isn't. Although we have a lot of machines trying to make as much as possible for you. I heard um, I heard the other day you guys really dry. I mean, it's cold, right? But just dry? It's, it's cold. It's dry. We had some storms come through. We saw snow stick, and then it all melted. Um, it's just one of those those types of years, I guess. <laughs> Well, we'll expect see, we'll, right? yeah, we'll we'll get more later, but uh, usually after or in the middle of December or at the end of December, it hits us hard. Then it's worthwhile. So and for join us. Those then. of you that don't know, Eric lives in in Utah, and what would you call that? Central Utah, Northern Utah, where uh, Northern Utah, Northern yeah. the high yeah. the high desert, but enough cold where it makes some really fluffy snow, enough oh, wet yeah. moisture. Yeah, what's the closest town to you? Uh, I'm in Ogden. So I'm about 30 minutes north of Salt Lake. Okay. It's, we're we're in the only populated spot. And we're stuck between mountains and a lake. So it's just this channel of people right now. And more and more show up. In fact, I even picked up this 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 hat recently. We don't move here. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Because because we're super passive passive aggressive about people moving to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so those of you listening, Eric's hat says uh, Utah sucks. Don't move here. Uh, I I do plan to live there part time someday, uh, Eric. I don't know. Uh, well, well, we'll make a space for you. Yeah. We'll make a space well, for you. Life may get in the way. I may not ever make it, but uh, definitely have some interest in at least spending some time out there. It is a, a beautiful place and good economy, good good business. We'll see if it works out. Yeah, yeah. Happy to have you. Happy to have you. He rolls his eyes as he says that. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> All right. So Eric was uh, gracious enough to pick an article for us this week. Let me share my screen for those who will be watching at a later date. And it's uh, the title of it, and it's written by Brian Madden. I lost it. It's called uh, Zero Trust Avoids Traditional Security um, Versus Convenience Tradeoffs. And, you know, I did a demo this morning or yeah, I did a demo this morning. It was all about VDI. We were showing VDI and this infrastructure that I've come up with to put it on. And uh, at some point I made a reference to some of my people on my team. They don't even go to the VDI anymore. They go straight to uh, the workspace with single sign on into all their applications and they just skip the VDI altogether. You know, that's, that's part of your story, right? You can, you can have this very untrusted world come into a very trusted world uh, and it becomes easy and they don't have to, you know, like this article talks about the trade-offs of having to be secure and convenient. It's just kind of blends together now, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of the things were, we always had multiple ways to try and, and figure out somebody's identity. And every time we set up one space for verifying identity, it almost seemed like we had that pulled out from underneath us. Uh, passwords in particular, passwords have always been our way of verifying identity, but we have to have a way of conveniently allowing somebody to refresh that password. So okay. there's, it's, it's, it's not a simple process. Security is tough. It's always been really hard, yeah. but now, yeah. Well, now we have single identity. We have maybe a very simple password that comes with a multi-factor challenge. So yep. you get to be who you are everywhere. And all you have to do is look down at your phone and hit okay. 
And now you've proven, you know, a little bit of a password and you know, you have a device, you have something that's been getting trusted in real device. time. Yeah. A trusted right. device. And it, I mean, a lot, this article is beautiful because it elaborates on, on these multiple different ways of authenticating. Of course, you have the, the multi-factor authentication where it's like, well, if they have access to their email, they're trusted by their email provider. If they have access to their phone, they're trusted by their phone, which they've had to do certain things to make sure that that phone is trusted. Uh, so we have unique devices and unique uh yeah, unique devices, web browsers that we can leverage to verify a person's identity. But we even have devices that have specialized abilities like biometrics, a physical asset to yourself, uh, or face ID, which allows you to, to take a picture of your face and, and verify your identity via that. Yeah. And so all these different methods that we can now use to leverage to verify identity. Why don't I give you an example of that? A couple hours ago, I'm pulled over at a convenience store trying to buy something for lunch. And uh, yeah, that's pretty sad, but that's what it was. <laughs> and uh, I go to get some tickets for Ticketmaster for a hockey game that we're hosting tomorrow night down in Florida. And it pops up to Ticketmaster and it's like, oh, my username and password. Oh, I can't believe I have to type this in. And then it starts looking for my face. And with a matter of seconds, it was secure because it knew who I was but it was also convenient for me. I didn't have to type a single letter. I know that's become more and more normal in like consumer world, but it's becoming mainstream in, in our, um, in our work world too. And it gets better, but secure all at the same time. Yeah. And it's, that's the weird part that ability to maintain convenience is still maximized. If you scroll down a little bit, he's got another chart that shows, basically, we're looking at a, a rectangle and you draw a diagonal line corner to corner through there. And security has always been a, a maximum at one side where you have all of these different pr protection methods, but then convenience means you were insecure. You, you've never felt like you always had it buttoned up. But just a little bit down, down a little bit further on this article, you just see convenience just layering on top of it as a maximum ability all the way through. And you can actually have maximum security and maximum convenience because so Eric, of those. How, how is that possible? How do we have just as secure and just as convenient, just stacked on top of each other? What, what what's, what's driving that? So I would say that there's a little dip in convenience up front, just a dip that I, because there are things that you have to establish first. As soon as you, you've established your identity as a person, as an entity, and you have verified your physical assets, you've, you've verified your virtual assets and all of these different methods that kind of connect together. I think that is the beginning of <clears throat> an example that he doesn't use here. But what I've always considered it as is the chain of custody. Yep. You have a trusted provider that verifies who you are. That starts the chain of custody. That's the first link in the chain is your identity to your, uh, your physical person. And then as soon as you get to that point, you can then verify multiple, uh, I, I, I guess you could say multiple links in that chain to verify who you are all the way to your access to the product or access to the, the application or access to the information that you're looking for. But as, as soon as all those chains have been established, your location, 
this uh, two-factor authentication, your Gmail, your device, your uh, physical identity, biometrics, and face ID, and so forth. As soon as those have been established, you can use any one of those in a rotating fashion to yeah. get complete access. Well, I, I agree with you on that. I've, I'm sitting here looking at a, I don't know, a year and a half old phone. It used to be that I would get a new mobile phone every year. And somebody looked at me the other day and said, why don't you just get a new phone? I'm like, I don't want to have to go through all the inconvenience of getting it set up for my authenticators again. And, yes. and I've got probably three or four on my phone. So I agree. It's not necessarily a perfect trans transition to having both. Uh, but yeah. once you get over the hump. Yeah. I mean, so that little dip, I would just chop off the, the first little point of, of convenience on this particular piece where it's not exactly the most convenient at the very, very beginning. But as soon as you establish that, as soon as you put that in place and configure it, like you're saying, so many authenticators, uh, then it becomes super convenient yeah. and everything's at your fingertips. <clears throat> and, and, you know, you go through that little blip just with the idea that you're trying to have the convenience, but you still have to have some level of security, um, not some level, but a great level of security these days. And it's worth the, you know, the, the week long, you get a new phone, you got a week of, Oh, I didn't put this on it. Let me uh, download. And, and by download, I mean, hit the button that says download. And yeah. then if you're on a decent network within a second or 10, or maybe 20, 30, you've got the app back. You got to authenticate old school one time. Now you're back in business. Yeah. It, following this line, this 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 mode of thought, uh, for anybody who's out there who wants to test this out, because <clears throat> it's so convenient right now, it's transparent to us. Whenever we log into certain applications, it seems transparent to us. Uh, first off, get a new phone and then log out of all of your accounts. Log out of your email account, log out of your web, uh, you know, whatever, if it's syncing or whatever else log out of those and see how it feels to get back in and and all of the different passwords and all the different verifications that you have to go through in order to get back into your stuff all of that has has meshed together very well we're adopting that technology within our workspace one platform but it's it's something that's now commonly out there with a lot of single sign-on solutions so just know that we're we're part of the same mesh of of trusted identities but yeah. It's it's challenging to get back to level. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I like that you brought up identity because uh, identity is not a security piece, but that is part of the convenience piece, right? Being one person that you identify as and then secure against, or you know, you have security policies and procedures associated with that one identity. That's a big part of the convenience factor of this. I still have systems where I have multiple user IDs all over the place, many, mm -hmm. many systems, both personally and work. Uh, but every day it gets better and better where I can start to use, at least for work, single identity um, providers. I would do the same thing in my personal life. I just don't have an identity provider. I really want to be the source of truth for me. Therefore, I don't use the various social media places or other things for yeah. personal identity providers. Social media as a, as an identity provider makes me feel awkward, extremely awkward. So yeah, I agree with that. I've played the game and then I, you know, promptly logged myself and rolled all that back because it just doesn't feel right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So a question for you, multi-factor. So I've got my password. That's one factor, right? Something, you know, yes. is, is having my phone and responding to a prompt on my phone. Is that, Two more factors or one factor? 
So it and he he elaborates a little bit on these these particular uh, in this section as well. This the idea of having a physical trait or a specific skill or your location. I mean, geolocation is, is such a big big deal. You tell you tell them where you're at, and then you prove where you're at with GPS. Uh, but also things that you know. So knowledge of something, skills on something. Uh, physical identity and geolocation, and then you can have multiple iterations of oh, and your password, the password that you said. Right. That's there's your your five, but they can also split even further. And I'm sure that we will see more in the future, more ways to identify yourself. Yeah. Well, so talk to us about what VMware is doing with uh, Workspace One and how these things starting to play into the mix of you know SaaS apps, hosted uh, x86 apps desktop virtualization and more. Well, the beauty of the onboarding that goes with Workspace ONE is that you're a known quantity to begin with. You have somebody who verifies you, validates you, and then that starts that first link in the chain. You now have an identity within this organization, and then you can you continue to, to set up different devices on Workspace ONE as your different authentication methods, and it creates those multiple chain, uh, links in the chain. And as soon as all of the, that chain gets established, you have total access to all of your, your Workspace ONE applications, SaaS apps for one. Your VDI will immediately recognize who you are because you have an identity that's verified within your Active Directory. There's all of these different methods that let you get in quickly and will use multiple identification methods, whether that's going to be a multi-factor authentication, uh, like a, an authentication tool like RSA or GAuth or one of these many that are out there. But also just physical identity starts coming into play where you've got your biometrics uh, aligned with it. Yeah. So you can use all of them and geolocation a huge geolocation is huge for mobile. Well, so I know we're talking a lot about identity and, and the multi-factor way of proving you are who you are. At the same time, we've got old, I'll call it kludgy systems that people are still using where they're authenticating into a VPN. And then from there, they're going to a specific URL or, or even worse, an IP address and trying to then launch something else that requires them to identify again you know, it's uh, it's been painful for me over the last year to see people continue to do it that way, knowing that's how I did it in 1998. Oh, um, and that's inconvenient as well as more insecure all at the same time. You know, that's one of the things that solutions like Workspace One that brings things into a into a portal of all different types uh, really helps to solve the 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 simplicity as well as the convenience. I'm using those two words intentionally different. Uh, yeah. as well as the security. It's it's interesting that you bring it up that way because well people don't know what they don't know and they don't they don't see what our modern approach is and it's not just our modern approach we are one i mean we're we're adopting this we're implementing it heavily we're making it really easy but there are others who do the same and we just it's it's a, a universal effort. And as long as you you step into it, just step into this, this world, uh, 
with Workspace ONE, we only need one password. We only need one set of authentication. As soon as we, we have your identity, we can now connect you with all different SaaS apps, all different applications, and we can deliver those applications to you. We can track those applications. We know what you're aligned with, what you're not aligned with. And in all of those aspects, we, we basically deliver convenience so that you can do your job without having to go through a whole lot of effort I mean, I have one password. I really do. For for my job, I have one password. And just asking that question, <laughs> do, do you have one password? <laughs> and, and I, for the most part, do, but not for everything, but for the most part. But question, yeah. um, what are examples of different identity providers that you can use in a Workspace ONE configuration? Uh, we are primarily aligned with True SSO, uh, but we using Okta is another type of solution that uh, would layer on top with ours. I There are a plethora that we can work with third-party identity managers. Uh, we have our own, of course, that we can you can leverage that comes with our package. Um, again, true SSO is, is that. But at any point in time, if you wanted to leverage a different identity provider, that will mesh very cleanly in with us. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, but we still see tons of people that, that aren't leveraging those, right? I mean, what would you say yeah. percentage of people that are still, I mean, are they, are they just authenticating against Active Directory? What are they doing? And it is primarily authenticating against Active Directory. And then everybody has their own personal accounts that attach to different solution providers. Uh, Office 365 does have a an SSO layer of sorts, as long as you have a, an appropriate identity, but you still have to log into that with a password. So if you don't have a single sign-on layer, you're not going to get the full benefits of it. It's just uh, anybody who's who's still kind of in the dark ages and has a million different passwords and and is is just ham-fisting their way through each security measure and over basically over over authenticating if that's even a thing but over authenticating themselves to to get access to small or or you know very confidential information for one is is you know needs to be secured but we can secure it with a lot lower effort than what most organizations are actually doing now. Right. I don't know the percentage. I I wish I could say <laughs> more than there should be. Okay. So Eric, um, where where does this go from here? What's what's the future of identity? We get to the point where we can just look at the screen and all of a sudden, you know, are we there with Face ID? I mean, how many PCs? I guess there's the well, Hello Camera, right? I mean, there's. It's becoming more and more common. I, the one thing about Face ID is that they have a lot of other protective measures behind it. Now, I will say with every authentication method, you have to find a way or find the ways that it will be exploited. So understanding how something gets exploited verifies the security of a particular authentication method. Mm -hmm. As long as we can always bring up authentication methods that cannot be exploited, like in the case of Face ID, there's a lot of other layers that go in to verify it's a 3D person you're looking at. They have flesh and blood. Maybe they do some IR to see what heat signature there is, that kind of thing. So you can't just hold up a piece of paper and, right. and get that uh, to unlock. But as long as those different protect, protective measures are in there, 
then you can trust the trust the the technology to initiate the process. Yeah. It'll it'll evolve. It I guarantee. I mean DNA tests to verify who you are, that sounds really scary, but possible in the future. Well, and, and you know, to what level of security do you need that level for certain <laughs> for what types of applications? Well, pro- probably not for getting in and reading your email. However, you know, for maybe accessing your financial information, maybe someday, a little, little more secure than what we have today. Yeah. But if but that's the whole point of zero trust is it doesn't matter how secure or 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 how what's the varying levels of security on a particular thing that you're accessing. Yeah. We throw all of the security at it. We're throwing everything at it up front. Now, DNA testing might be a little uh, invasive for that kind of thing. But if you can verify it maximally, what uh, if that's your gateway all the time to maximum authentication, maximize it, you you should use it. Yeah. If it's convenient and if it's maximum, it you should use it. Yeah. At least that's in principle. Yes, it's interesting. I was on. I was with a customer this morning that they have a Horizon uh, desktop virtualization environment, but they don't allow access from the outside. So they're getting the benefits of cost-effective internal computing. Uh, the life of their devices is much longer than it would have been. Uh, however, you know they're not getting the benefits of remote working. I'm not sure how they're handling that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it was interesting to see someone who hadn't taken it quite that far yet. And I'm not sure if that was for security reasons or they just, you know, haven't invested in providing it as a remote access solution. It, I've seen I've seen a few implementations like that. I called it the secure donut because there was the you have a jump box inside of the donut, mm. and then you have and it's air gapped basically, right. not exactly, but it's air gapped enough that you could reach it from an internal uh, something within the secure donut. (laughs) But again, what, what is that protecting? And, you know, it's making it hacker proof, but you're still connected to the network. So there's a challenge there. Well, Eric, I know this is a topic you're passionate about. Anything that we haven't covered here that you'd want to bring up? Well, I, I, I just, I want to watch this space as, as what it's going to look like going forward. Because again, identity is changing. The way we approach verifying identity is changing. I think that what the lessons that we learned here are going to find their way into the greater population. And when I say greater population, this, this idea of what's, what is the world going to look like uh, in, if we're not just looking at physical IDs? Like, uh, what am I trying to say? Licenses, uh, driver's licenses or social security cards or all these different ways that we were verifying identity. I'm interested to see how this methodology is going to push its way back into the general population. Right. And will we use phones as a digital ID that we can say, here, look at, look at this. And, you know, is this verifiable? So I, I'm curious how technology will influence our reality. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to fly somewhere in the morning. I need to check, see if I ever got my TSA number updated. I went last week. I just don't know if it got through or not. Always something to do. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the time when I don't have to, like they know who I am based on maybe my 
visual recognition as well as some real-time push that, you know, two elements of me being me proved who I am. And I can just walk through security and through the scanner of some type and not have to, not have to have that uncomfortable, awkward, inconvenient experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really nice to have TSA. (laughs) It's really nice. Well, that's a good, that's a good um, way to end this. I've got to go check that before tomorrow's flight, but Eric, thanks for jumping (laughs) on and appreciate you bringing topics as always. Yeah. My pleasure. Uh, See you, Andy. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. Got it. Thanks, man.